You're listening to The Dilly Show with author Brendan Dilly, now available as a daily podcast. You can catch the show live Monday through Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Go to dillyshow.com for details. And now, your host, Brendan Dilly. Good morning, MAGA. Welcome to The Dilly Show. I am your host, author Brendan Dilly. It's my book right here. Still breathing the wisdom and teachings of a perfectly flawed man. You can pick that up on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or any other major book retailer. Don't forget, if you love this show, you can support the show at Subscribestar.com forward slash The Dilly Show. I appreciate every single one of you who has signed up this week. It makes a huge difference on this broadcast and in our movement. So thank you, Subscribestar.com forward slash The Dilly Show. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. <laughs> yeah, we're having some fun already, aren't we? Oh, my God, rolling into the weekend, already trolling the shit out of Team Meatball. We've got uh, Team Meatball on the ropes. Woo! Woo! Whatever you do, do not, do not make fun of John Cardildo and the fact that he has got a major drinking problem. It will, it will incur his wrath, according to him, apparently. Yeah, we were having a little fun last night, and boy, did that go sideways. <laughs> oh, shit! All of Team Meatball in a panic because uh, essentially one of their their main astroturfing assholes has court Monday. Uh-oh, that's never fun. Never good when you got a court case Monday and uh, you got a drinking problem on a Friday because, well, you're probably going to smell by the time Monday rolls around. Anyway, John Cardildo getting an early start on that court case by hitting the booze. And I want to be accurate and fair to him because I've made jokes about him drinking Jack and Coke which he has been super offended by. He drinks vodka, you guys. So he wasn't getting shit-faced last night and uh, tweeting out a bunch of insanity that none of us knew what the fuck he was saying. Uh, that was not a product of Jack Daniels or Jack and Coke or beer, okay? He would never drink your fucking poverty whiskey. He is all about vodka. That's what gets him completely inebriated seven nights a week. So... Anyway, had a little fun. What can I say? You just do this. You're like, hey. And then they say things. And it's fun because they say things like this to you as Trump supporters, right? They say, I'm going to get you. I'm digging into you. And it's like, dude, go for it, bitch. Please do. You clearly don't know who or what I am or why I do this or why any of us does this. And uh, and here we go. Hey, here we go. That's what they do. They, th they make the empty threats, and you just keep hitting them over the head with fucking gifts of drunk people falling down, and it works. It's a big day for MAGA, and, I, and I'm going to get into this strategically a little bit more today. Because some of you say, oh, Dilly, why do you do a show where, you know, we're focused on the news for a few weeks, then we're doing a bunch of comedy for a few weeks, and now you're beating the shit out of other uh, Republicans. Why are you doing this publicly embarrassing these people? Because we have a primary to win. We have a country to take back, and there's only one man that can do it. His name is President Donald J. Trump, and I am not interested in unifying, not today, with a bunch of pussy-ass fucking Republicans. You guys don't want Trump? You want to be GOP establishment? Great. That's fine. Sit the fuck over there. We're going to destroy your guy by 20 points in every state, and by the end of it, you'll be screaming, screaming no mas. You'll be saying uncle. And then at the end of the day, November of 2024 is going to roll, roll around, and you know what you're going to do? You're going to vote for Donald Trump. Because you're not insane. You might be stupid, but you're certainly not fucking insane. And that's how this is going to go down. So in the meantime, all of you are going to have to just suffer through the shit posting, the attacks, and the uh, basically the primary assault on other Republican leaders 
and their shitty little surrogates. That's how this game is played, and we do it better than anybody. So, yeah, we're going to have some fun. What can I say? And I'm blessed. I got a team behind me that is a uh, – they are masters of their craft, and we roll uh, like one cohesive unit. And this is what happens when you've worked really hard to create a team. So I'm very proud of them. But, yeah, we got a big show today. We got to talk about some crazy stuff that's going on. Okay, first of all, Donnie J surging in the polls. Uh, also, simultaneously, Donnie J being fucking harassed nonstop by Letitia James. Seven hours of questioning in New York yesterday. What an absolute embarrassment to this country. Ridiculous. We also have to talk about Dilly doing journalism. <gasps> no, I know. Calm down. Don't worry. I'm not a journalist. This is a fucking fun, entertainment, opinion-based show. However, sometimes I like to dabble. Occasionally, when I get a story come across my desk, yesterday, thanks to the Dilly 300, we had one such story come across my desk, and we got it published in the Gateway Pundit. Shout out to Gateway Pundit. We love them, and uh, they published the article last night with yours truly credited with breaking that story. Appreciate it, but really, the credit goes to you, the Dilly 300, who knew what you were sitting on was newsworthy and that the American public deserved to know about it. We'll talk about it on this show. It got published last night. I thought that was pretty sweet. It's always nice. Appreciate that, you know? Uh, so, yeah, so we got a big show today. It's a Friday edition of the Dilly Show. We also got Q&A Friday, and we're going to talk a little bit more about mindset. We're going to talk about what's making this thing so successful and how you are playing a bigger role than you might realize. You guys are following the instructions that have been laid out in front of you, and you're following our lead. And because of that, and you're buying in, a few things are happening. You're having fun. You are having a profound effect on the people that we are trying to deal with. And it is absolutely having a legitimate, real effect on Donnie J's polling numbers. And we're very proud of that. We also got a little hat tip from Team Trump uh, in the way of a brand new commercial. If you haven't seen it, a little love for my beautiful wife, Randy the Savage. And a little hat tip from Team Trump on that one. What was once thought to be beneath us, I'm not sure if this is a good idea, became, you know what, not only is it a great idea, let's run a fucking ad with it. And we appreciate them doing that. They are hammering, MAGA Inc. hammering the opposition. So it's going to be that kind of a show. Oh, how are you guys doing? It's a Friday. Oh, my God. What a crazy-ass week we've had. This has been a wild week, but we're having fun, aren't we? The thing that I want to talk about, um, I guess I could just dig right into this. You guys want to – I'm not sure if this is a story time or a Professor Dilly. I'll let you guys pick. What do you think? Huh? You feeling – you guys feeling like it's a story time or are we feeling like this is a uh, – a, a Professor Dilly could be a Nostra Dilly, too. I'll let you pick. I could put it under any, any of these three categories. I, I'm not sure which one we're going to call it. All I can tell you, you know, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. what do you think? We, we go Professor? Yeah, I think we go Professor Dilly. I think we're, gonna, we're about to lay it out there for you. get into it because i understand many people still are kind of like what are you doing like why are you doing this the way that you do it why 
What are you doing? You're not going to grow your show fast this way. You got to stick to your format. Just do the news. You, you hit the news. You got great points, man. Just stop attacking other Republicans. It's exhausting. We need to go after the Democrats. Yeah, we will. In time, we will. There'll be a day and a time when that becomes the focal point of what we are doing and, and of this campaign. And by this campaign, I'm talking, talking about the Dilly Meme Team campaign. And I've kind of hammered on this before, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's, it's effective. Let me, let me overcome some objections first. One of the things that many of you and, and I myself understand fully is that there is a portion of America who agree with 99%, if not all, of President Donald Trump's, Trump's policies. They love his policies. They love his accomplishments. They look and they go, oh my God, can we just get that back? But those same people, unfortunately also are not accustomed to fighters. They're not accustomed to people punching back and they're not accustomed to dealing with someone who is the president of the United States, getting in the mud and beating the shit out of uh, liars and villains with his words. They don't like that. They just, they can't handle it. But we need them. We need them to vote because we need them to be behind our cause. We need them to be a part of saving America and making America great again. So what do you do? What? do you do when your absolute uh, champion of champions is also a fighter and he feels like he needs to be he needs to punch back well he punches back that's what you do but you keep you keep him clean and one of the big differences that i'm seeing so far as the trump 2024 bus gets rolling is we're trying to take the heavy lifting off of his shoulders i love mean tweets I love a great mean tweet. And I hope he continues mean tweeting when he gets back into office. But I also understand the value of doing the dirty work for him. President Trump has been absolutely high grounding the shit out of everybody. He's high roading them. He is a sympathetic figure in the public eye for the first time since I can't remember. He's being railroaded by a Soros district attorney in New York and it is skyrocketing his approval numbers. What this means is as he climbs, in order to stay up there, he has to make sure that he doesn't step on his own dick. And that can happen at times when you're an aggressive, masculine, alpha leader. So how do we avoid that? You make him feel like he doesn't need to. And that's where we come in. President Trump doesn't need to send out mean tweets right now. President Trump has an online war machine known as the Dilly Meme Team. And we are out there right now working alongside as friends with many people within the, the organization supporting President Trump, and we're kicking ass and taking names. And what we are finding is that by allowing President Trump to maintain the high ground and stay on his messaging while we do all of the dirty work pushing back against the scumbags who are paid to say bad things about him and paid to lie about him by us doing it, it has allowed his polling numbers to skyrocket. This is a tremendous benefit for President Trump's ability to get reelected in a general election. He's going to win the primary. He's going to win the primary, I venture a guess, by as many as 25 to 30 points. But the general election still must be what we are looking at long term. And that's where this team of patriots come together. We are doing something that President Trump used to have to do 
almost entirely by himself. And if you are honest with yourself and you say, Dilly, I really want President Trump back in as president, then you basically have to accept the fact that the rest of us are going to have to get in the dirt for a little while. And this is what we are doing. We love President Trump. He has fought like hell for us. I don't think it's fair to ask him to both defend himself against Letitia James and these other scumbags in New York and Georgia who are trying to railroad him and also simultaneously ask him, hey, how come you're not defending yourself on the Internet? Fuck that. He doesn't need to defend himself on the Internet. That he has an army on the Internet who is more than prepared and capable of dealing with all conflicts. And the bottom line is we've been utilizing this, this experiment, if you will, since January. You're now into April. We have a, we have a large enough sample size now with, uh, when you combine President Trump's polling numbers and this strategy that we have implemented, we have a, a large enough sample size to show this is a formula for victory. This is how we are going to knock Rob DeSantis clean the fuck out before he ever even announces. We are doing such a job on these people, and now is not the time to let off. Now is the time to go even further. Why? Because I believe in my heart of hearts that if you hit this fucking guy hard enough, his money, his backing will pull. And this is, in my mind, why Senator Scott from South Carolina formed an exploratory committee. I believe that Scott, Tim Scott of South Carolina would not have formed that exploratory committee had the GOP establishment and DeSantis's funding believed that Ron can handle Trump. He can't. His numbers are cratering, cratering and they're only going to get worse, by the way. He is only going to continue to get worse because there's more and more of, of what he has been doing is coming out. Furthermore, Team Meatball can't help but make mistakes. And I'm going to tell you why. These are not smart people. This is essentially people that couldn't hack it with President Trump. Most of these are castoffs who were not welcomed back to Trump 2024. They were people that no longer, they did not have talent or the ability or the strength to get through an election and beat the deep state. That's what you need. You need people of integrity and commitment. And they didn't have it. And so what they did, because these are political operatives, they went out and they found themselves what they thought was the next best thing. And they thought that was DeSantis. And so they signed on up and they said, we're going to be a part of the future. But you're not because your leader is a shitty knockoff. Your entire squad is make up, made up of people who can't get a job at Team Trump. And you do not have any organic grassroots anywhere in this country. You don't have anybody to counter what we're doing because the people that you would need all support Trump. And so our job is really simple. Our job is to finish what we have started, to finish this candidate in a way that makes him unelectable this cycle and potentially ever, which he really shouldn't be. He is, he is absolutely the Bush family 3.0. This is just, this is, he's trying to do the job that Jeb Bush couldn't get. And so here we are, and I know many of you get, maybe you're bored, you don't like the memes. Dilly, it's too many meatball memes, you're spreading these around. But let me talk about what you are doing and why you are critical. The State of the Union night against Joe Biden was one of the most effective campaigns online in the last two and a half years. And that was because of you. 
I gave very, very straightforward instructions on exactly what you needed to do on State of the Union night. And all of you who took the time out of your evening to follow my instructions made that campaign wildly successful. Between the meme team banging out some of the most incredible uh, fact-checking memes ever in real time, combined with you, the Dilly 300, basically acting as a giant retweeting hashtagging army, we were able to essentially hijack the entire narrative that night and make it all pro-Trump and essentially fact-checking Joe. So much so, the State of the Union night address online was such a disaster that within 24 hours, the mainstream media had buried the story and the fucking speech completely because they could not handle nor respond to what we had created. That was you. And all I'm asking you to do right now is to trust me a little bit longer. You are playing a significant role in putting President Trump back in the White House right now. Even if what it feels like is small, oh, what's, what am I really doing, Dilly? What you're doing is you're part of the voice of the people. It's a very big responsibility. Most Americans aren't on Twitter. Most Americans aren't constantly monitoring a Twitter page or social media to try and reply to people who are lying. It takes work, it takes effort, it takes time. That's where you come in. You recognize that what you're doing is backing up the people who are speaking on your behalf because you're speaking on someone's behalf whether you know it or not. So if you're a wife and you know your husband and your parents and your children aren't on Twitter, you're speaking for all of them every single time you shit post or re retweet or reply and recognize what we're doing. I wanna give you your credit because part of what we have done is created an army that corrects narrative, that essentially fights back and it's completely organic, made up of Americans. This isn't some Ukrainian bot bullshit army. This isn't some uh, fucking digital army out of China or the Philippines or some other Malaysia. These are actual Americans moving as a cohesive unit to correct the narrative while also, also accentuating President Donald J. Trump and what he has done. This is real. It sounds cheesy. It's, it's absolutely real. And if you don't believe me, all you have to do is go look at the results. I'm getting phone calls pretty much constantly now from people in and around uh, the campaign who are thrilled with the work we're doing. They know that it's effective. One such phone call happened, and I had an acknowledgement that initially the campaign was hesitant. They were nervous about the meatball campaign ads we were doing against Rob. They didn't know, they, the initial, very early on, they thought, is this going to be too aggressive? Is this going to hurt our credibility? And I understand because they weren't the ones leading this mission. We were, I was. We decided, no, this is the course that we feel is best. We are getting absolutely zero direction from anybody official within any campaign. And we simply know this, I looked at the situation, I, I talked about it with the team, and I said, here's what I believe the best strategy is going to be. Let's execute it and see how it goes. Our strategy was so effective. It was such a solid strategy. President Trump's team released a brand new campaign ad that essentially gave a hat tip to my wife, Rihanna, for her parody video of Ron DeSantis and Christina Peshaw. They went from being, we're not sure if this is too aggressive to, 
oh my God, this is so effective. Let's go ahead and create some of these ourselves that we can run at a national level. I don't know how to tell you that they believe in what we're doing because what we're doing is showing a tangible, real effect on this election. And that's because of you. You are supporting the work that we're doing. You are backing it. You're participating. You're not on the sidelines anymore. You are absolutely, you're, you're retweeting, you're replying, you're engaging. You're playing the social media game exactly the way I've been trying to teach it for the last few years. And I couldn't be more proud of you guys doing so. Um, with that being said, do you guys want to see the commercial? Because I got it somewhere around here. Hold on. I think it's, is it this one? Oh, my God. I don't know if I got the right commercial. Let's see if I got the right commercial. If I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll change it. I think I might have it. It's, it should be this one right here, though. Ron DeSantis loves sticking his fingers where they don't belong. And we're not just talking about pudding. DeSantis has his dirty fingers all over senior entitlements. Like cutting Medicare, slashing Social Security, even raising our retirement age. Tell Ron DeSantis to keep his pudding fingers off our money. Oh, and somebody get this man a spoon. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. Just remember, 90 days ago, it was, uh, Team Dilly is a little out there, man. This is going to blow up in our face. Then the polling kept going the way it is, and President Trump was allowed to stay completely high ground and clean above all this nonsense. And the result is, well, yeah, let's go ahead and let's run one of those ads. Those are funny, and they are highly effective. We love it. Let's do it. Well, here you go. <laughs> I guys like that one. You know, it's, it's good, right? It's like, oh, wait a minute. We've seen this before. Well done, Team Trump. It's perfect. Nice little ad to run nationwide. And it did. Uh, many people have already started uh, tweeting at me today. They're like, I just saw this on my TV. I just came here to tell you. And I'm like, I know, I know. Isn't that great? Yeah, they're doing a hell of a job. Really funny stuff. Really funny stuff. And uh, yeah, so I'm, just, I'm proud of you guys. You're making a big difference. And that's why I wanted to, to do that uh, the, you know, Professor Dilly. Also, I want to give a shout out to, like, uh, I want to give a shout out to my wife, who obviously inspired that commercial. Tiff, where's Tiff? Is staff in here today? Staff made it into Newsweek uh, with, along with our friend Alex Bershowitz. So you guys got to give them a hand. These people are, uh, they're, they're, you guys are doing the job. You're messaging effectively. You're writing things effectively. You're videotaping. You're doing your activism. All of you guys are doing, it's a whole collaborative team effort. And uh, it's not going unnoticed. They, they understand what we're doing. They have, have said thank you repeatedly for our patriotism. And they understand what all of you are doing. There's a whole other level of respect. So you guys are doing a great job, okay? Yeah, you're doing a great job, dude. I'm super proud of you guys. Um, okay, well, I guess it's time. And let me say, I'm so out of sorts today, you guys. I, uh, I didn't get all my production work done like I should, right? Bad dilly. I should have got all my production work done like I normally do, but I was working the phones this morning. I had so much stuff going on, and I was slacking on my pimping. How blessed are we, huh? You guys just, what do we, I mean, like, think about what we do around here every day. Between having fun and creating content, making music, doing memes, but also doing jokes, but also lifting one another up, whether it's going to Ohio and dropping off, uh, you know, the items that this community fundraises for or going to some other community that's been uh, struck by, by uh, damage, you know? It's nice. It's just, a, what a blessing. I feel that way on a Friday especially, man. It's a, you, re, you become reflective when you do these things. 
you realize you're in the midst of something special. All right, I've been told that there was uh, some memes that were sent to me. Let me see what if I got memes sent to me. I'm supposed to be playing them. Everybody likes to get their homework in way too late in the show and then make me do extra work, which is really not fair. Which is really not fair. Oh, how about this one? Donnie J is heading to Indianapolis uh, shortly uh, so he can give his speech to the uh, this evening to the great patriots of the NRA. So President Trump heading to Indiana to go give a speech at the NRA convention. That's awesome. That's a good, that's a really good thing. That's a really good thing. How exciting. Oh my God. All right. Lauren Eve, hon, we got to get you into that event. Oh my God. Um, let me write the text right now. And done. All right. I just fired off a text. Lauren, I'm going to try to, I'll see what I can do. No promises. No promises. I just fired off the text asking, is it too late? We'll see. Trying to get Lauren Eve, because Lauren Eve is in Indiana. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, this is what we do here at The Dilly Show, man. And uh, they were like, hey, if you guys ever want to go to President Trump, see him speak, make sure you let us know, especially if it's advance notice. How about like five hours? Is that enough notice? <laughs> Probably not. All right. I'll let you know, Lauren, if, she, uh, if we get a response back that is in the affirmative, okay? Can't say I didn't try, though. You know what I mean? You can't say I didn't try. This is what I do. Gonna make America great again. All right, let's talk a little news. We'll talk a little news. And yes, I did grab the uh, content the memer sent me, so I'll be playing that here shortly. Let's talk a little news, though. I wanna, I wanna hit this, uh, hit this kind of hard. So look, you guys want to talk Democrats and what they're doing? My God, uh, the stories coming out right now on the Biden administration are jaw dropping. One of them is a more of a follow up to a story that was trending months ago. Was this one? Sam Brenton uh, has accepted a plea deal in Las Vegas. Uh, tied to the felony luggage theft that he was accused of. So not sure what that plea deal entails, but he is currently uh, looking, at, uh, looking at a settlement with them. Interesting to say the least. The other thing that was uh, pretty, pretty fucking gnarly is this 21-year-old, this 21, is that right? We got a 21-year-old uh, military member arrested for leaking documents that show that the Biden White House and the Biden Department of Defense was lying to the American public about Ukraine and the Ukrainian engagement and the American military involvement. This young person very well may have just prevented a uh, escalation to a potential World War III conflict by doing this. Needless to say, they are throwing him in prison. Alexander Vindman, who under, undermined the government, undermined President Trump with lies, was hailed as a hero and faced no persecution nor prosecution for illegally leaking classified documents. But this young person may have absolutely just derailed Biden, uh, Biden's attempts at beginning a military conflict with us directly involved in Ukraine. It's, it's sort of shocking. Um, actually, it's totally shocking. And these documents have been leaking all over the place, and now they arrested this young person, and we may very well have just stopped an escalation with Russia and Ukraine as a result. Fucking crazy, man. When you combine that with the fact that we also have a story out this morning that it appears, there's nothing confirmed, but it appears Hunter Biden is living at the White House. Joe Biden and Hunter Biden went to Ireland recently 
why I've talked about it on this show. Ireland is one of the biggest deep state fucking uh, burials for money and homes and bug out facilities. Did you guys know this? Ireland is one of the places that they all keep a second or third home along with countless uh, bank accounts. So Joe was in Ireland and nobody really understood the purpose of him being specifically geopolitically. It made no sense. Why are you in Ireland? And why did you bring Hunter Biden on that trip? All of this is occurring at the same time that Joe Biden right now is absolutely in the forefront, in the dead center of the story involving the raid on Mar-a-Lago. It didn't go without Joe's knowledge, as the White House suggested. It was at the request of Joe Biden's White House. Joe Biden, as I mentioned on his broadcast yesterday, and as was mentioned and reported on months ago, and we've talked about this over and over again, altered the uh, designation and, and removed President Trump's executive privilege from, uh, from holding those documents, unbeknownst to him, so that the, the, uh, they had a justification for raiding Mar-a-Lago. This is insane. This is, this is Stalin-esque. This is something we would have seen in the old Soviet Union. This is something we would see in China. This is not something you would ever see in the United States of America. And the only reason you're seeing it now is because Democrats have dropped all false pretense. They no longer are in, interested in giving you the impression that they are interested in being American. They are Marxists. This is Marxism. This is something we've only seen in some of the most authoritative and dangerous places in the world. And they no longer are interested in covering that up, which is why they openly wear it like a badge of honor now. The problem is... The guy that you've put in front of the public is a fucking idiot. He's a bumbling, stumbling retard who can't get anything right when he's speaking. And therefore, they don't allow him to answer questions, but they also are now having to cut more and more of his press conferences short because he's an idiot. There's nothing our nations can't achieve if we do it together. I really mean it. So thank you all. God bless you all. Let's go. Let's go lick, lick the world. Let's get it done. My heart, there's nothing our nations can't achieve if we do it together. I really mean it. So thank you all. God bless you all. Let's go. Let's go lick, lick the world. Let's get it done. What the fuck? My heart, there's nothing our nations can't achieve if we do it together. I really mean it. So thank you all. God bless you all. Let's go. Let's go lick, lick the world. Let's get it done. Lick the world? Dude, what is with these people? First, he wants to sniff every child they bring near him. Who the hell says lick the world? He's gone. He's gone. His mental is absolutely cooked. We, we have totally departed and left all sense of fucking reality with this guy. His noodle is cooked. Lick the world? Now, we're going to take that we're going to take that bumbling old fool and we're going to juxtapose that against the man, the myth, the legend discussing Agenda 47, President Donald J. Trump. There is no more dire threat to the American way of life than the corruption and weaponization of our justice system. And it's happening all around us. If we cannot restore the fair and impartial rule of law, we will not be a free country. As President, 
It will be my personal mission to restore the scales of justice in America. We want fairness and equality under the law. And to that end, I will appoint U.S. attorneys who will be the polar opposite of the Soros district attorneys and others that are being appointed throughout the United States. Very unfair to our population, very unfair to our country. They will be the 100 most ferocious legal warriors against crime and communist corruption that this country has ever seen. As we completely overhaul the Federal Department of Justice and FBI, we will also launch sweeping civil rights investigations into Marxist local district attorneys. And that's what we have. They're Marxists in many cases. By refusing to charge countless crimes, these Soros prosecutors appear to be engaging in selective enforcement based on illegal racial discrimination. In Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and every other city where these maniacs have taken over, the DA's offices should face federal subpoenas of their staff, their emails, and their records to determine whether they have blatantly violated federal civil rights law. As part of this effort, there should be a federal inquiry into the Soros prosecutor in Austin, Texas, who charged a veteran with murder for defending himself against a threat by a heavily armed member of a radical left mob. I will also order the Department of Justice to establish a task force on protecting the right to self-defense, which is under siege nationwide. In addition, we will have a complete investigation into the use of police state tactics by federal authorities to arrest conservatives and Christians. We will find out who ordered it, and we will hold them totally accountable. There is much more that we must do. We have to confront this radicalized law in schools. You take a look at what they've done to our schools, our beautiful schools. We have to reform the far-left bar associations and stop the purge of conservative lawyers from major law firms. I will do whatever it takes to save our legal system among the greatest achievements of Western civilization from the Marxist barbarians who seek to destroy it. And we will do that. We will save it. Thank you very much. The only one with a plan, Donnie J. No one else will even touch this. Just so we're clear, nobody else currently running for president or who's going to announce they're running for president will even touch that topic. No one. No one else. Only President Trump. He's the only one who's even willing to discuss the weaponized Department of Justice. All of your rhino uh, Republicans running in this race or even the ones sitting in office, they're not touching that. They're like, eh, no, 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 no. I want no part of this. Also, shout out to Lauren Eve. We are maybe... We're, we're this, maybe, we'll see, honey. I'm working on it. We're working on it. Eee, maybe I might have an answer for you. You might be going tonight. We're, eee, we're close. I'm, I'm working. I'm working it. We got to see. Now someone else is working it on their end to see if we can pull it off. It's very difficult to do less than 24 hours before an event when it's uh, an external outside event. That's not an easy thing to pull off, but we will see. We'll see if we can make it happen for Nobody deserves it more. All right. Um, I want to talk a little more new news. Let's talk about the news. Something that happened yesterday, I mentioned it on the show, and I was kind of excited. And why wouldn't I be? Uh, because we ended up in an uh, article. And I ended up in that article by writing it. <laughs> uh, here, let me tell you guys. Uh, we had a 
uh, Dilly 300 member reached out to me on social media, slid in my DMs and was like, Dilly, I got a scoop. And I said, oh, really? That's right. Anheuser-Busch allegedly received bomb threats at seven of 12 breweries nationwide yesterday. That's right. This actually happened. And uh, that is according to the uh, inside reports I received. And I was able to get this person vetted through, their information vetted through. And then what happened today is we got second sourcing from a totally different location who sent me a photo and confirmed said story. So felt real good about that. Dilly doing a little journalism, partnering with the Gateway Pundit to get it done. Uh, the Gateway Pundit spoke with Brendan Dilly, author and host of The Dilly Show, regarding alleged threats against 7 of 12 Anheuser-Busch breweries nationwide, according to an employee at the Cartersville, Georgia, Anheuser-Busch location. Employees and staff had an emergency meeting with Jennifer Logan, the plant manager, making them aware of a bomb threat that had been made to the brewery. The plant employee stated that Logan, uh, let's see, Logan told them that Anheuser-Busch had received bomb threats at seven of their 12 breweries across the United States today, April 13th. No further details are available at this time as Anheuser-Busch has not responded to these reports as of the time of this article. In addition to this, as I mentioned to you guys, I got a follow-up uh, DM and, and additional information from people that, yeah, they uh, Anheuser-Busch apparently had a problem in other locations as well, confirming this story. So there you go. Got to do a little journalism last night. Now we wait and find out who the hell is making bomb threats to Anheuser-Busch at all of these locations. I have no idea. Obviously, that's something that we don't... Conservatives don't do shit like that, so then it makes you immediately kind of go, yeah, who's doing this shit? Is it to frame conservatives, or is it just some deranged transgender that's uh, angry about uh, the backlash they're receiving? Hmm? Hmm? There you go. There you go. You guys having fun yet? I'm having fun. This is good stuff. Hey, what's this? I got a meme sitting here. You guys want to see what this meme is? I don't know what it is. It's a soul meme. You guys want to see what it is? I'm not sure. I mean, it could be It could be really funny. It could be moving. I don't know. Let's, let's find out what it is. Let's see. And go. Have you spoken with Governor DeSantis? Governor DeSantis has not yet called. <laughs> of oh, course I haven't called yet. I'm too busy shilling my shitty book in Ohio and trying to become president to care about those peasants. Hail Hydra. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, what is, oh, what is going on with that video? That's a corrupted file if I ever saw one. It didn't even have the meatball at the end. It was all corrupted. Why you send me corrupted files, soul memes? How dare you? How dare you? I like the hail hydras at the end. It's one of my favorites is the hail hydra at the end. It makes me laugh every fucking time. Yeah. Now, you know what? I think there's another one, too. I think that Leah Memes and Camtastic got together. Oh, this is nice, you guys. This is, sometimes it's nice to have a side-by-side -side comparison. A little side-by-side -side comparison. You guys want to talk about side? This is where we can allow people to, to uh, apples and apples, right? So we can compare equals fruits together like this one. Look, it makes total sense. Uh, this is a Leah Memes Camtastic mashup of DeSantis boat parades versus Trump boat parades. See? Boat parade, boat parade. Looking for directions to the boat parade. Gonna get a summer standing out here all day. Trying to get a ticket to the boat parade. I appreciate the voters for Trump. Boat parade, boat parade. Gotta meet a lady at the boat parade. Forgot my shoes at home and now my feet are turning gray. Missing grandma's birthday for the boat parade. Boat parade, boat parade, boat parade, boat parade, boat parade. Boat parade. 
I just wish I had time. I'd get on one of those boats and I'd be carrying a flag also. It looks like you're having a good time. <laughs> All right. Let me explain something real quickly before we go into this. Uh, eh, well, I'll get into it in a second. We'll deal with it in a second. I got I to do more MAGA commerce, but whoo. Boat parades. Floating cars. Homes underwater. What? Could have been worse. Could have been a Katrina, you losers. Dude, we had people. We had people yesterday writing emails asking us for prayers because their cars were floating off, their homes' roofs were being damaged, the rain hadn't subsided. Meanwhile, Christina Pushaw decided to come out and was like, "Oh, quit crying, peasants. This could have been so much worse." Yeah, nobody's suggesting that Rob should control the weather. We're just saying when there's a major emergency and in one of your major cities. You shouldn't be out, you know, shadow campaigning for president a thousand miles away. Who's back? Dilly's back. Anyway, all right, I want to talk about this thing because the, the way they're framing this, we as, I think, um, constituents uh, and certainly as voters in America have a right to question our elected officials. We also have a right to have an expectation of them. When Floridians have mass flooding occurring in their state, it is completely reasonable for them to expect their governor to issue a statement early on and address the massive devastating flooding in real time. It's okay for him to say, okay, I'm going to throw together a 15 minute press conference. I'm not going to take questions because it's too early, but I'm at least going to issue a statement and reassure my constituents that we've got, we are monitoring their, uh, the, the challenges they're facing and that we are behind them and we're going to take care of it. That is a totally reasonable position. The fact that it took Governor DeSantis until late afternoon, mid to late afternoon yesterday to issue a fucking tweet is unacceptable. And then the fact that your comms director went on to say, oh, people are just trying to compare that. Oh, they're just trying to make DeSantis look bad like this was Hurricane Katrina. And she was posting pictures of how the water has receded. Hey, no one ever suggested that this was a hurricane that is at the level of Katrina at all. What we are suggesting is that you're the governor of fucking Florida and you were just reelected. That means something. People trusted you. They put their trust in you because you said, if you give me your vote, I'll give you four years. And what you're doing right now, it's not that you were even just late to the party addressing the Fort Lauderdale and Hollywood flooding. 
The issue is you were in Ohio doing a shadow presidential campaign when you're supposed to be governing Florida. This is where your residents are furious. And this is not just an online outrage. Countless videos were coming out from people yesterday on the street with our friend Shaney Rich, who was interviewing people all around the area who were furious that the governor of their state was on a book tour for his presidential campaign in 2024 in Ohio instead of visiting and getting down to Fort Lauderdale and assuring that community. We are not expecting him to control the weather. Shit happens. We are fully aware that hurricanes are going to hit Florida from now until the end of time. We are fully aware that flooding is going to happen. No one thinks that DeSantis is, should control the weather. And this is one of those things where losers, losers who don't have the logic or the reason to be able to overcome an objection, try and use this thing called false equivalency. So when you say, where the fuck is Ron DeSantis? Why isn't he governing my, my state? And the person responds with, what, is he supposed to control the weather? No, no, nobody said anything about him stopping flooding from happening. No one's mad at him for flooding having occurred in Fort Lauderdale. They're furious that there was a catastrophe occurring in their local city that destroyed many roofs of homes and flooded home houses out and cars and dangerous shit going on. And you were in another state promoting your book in presidential tour. That is false equivalency, and they're going to do it to you guys over and over again. Don't let them. Do not let them. It doesn't matter what they tell you. He dropped the ball yesterday. His team is full of fucking amateurs. Anybody with a brain in their heads would have known. They would have said, Governor, here's what we're going to do. Before we leave for Ohio, we're going to take a quick flight down to Fort Lauderdale. You're going to give a 10 to 12 minute press conference. You're then going to hand that press conference over to the, the mayor of that city. You're then going to be swept away. We're going to fly back up to Ohio and we'll still hit our deadline. The fact that you amateurs on Team Meatball didn't know how to do that, it doesn't tell us anything other than there's no leadership within that organization. You are amateurs. You're doing badly. That was a stupid mistake and it's going to cost you. And now people aren't going to forget. They're, they're like, dude, this guy, when the chips are down, this is what the branding behind DeSantis is, you guys. When the shit hits the fan, this guy runs the other direction. He looks like when Ted Cruz got caught at the airport, when the state of Texas had all those power outages and people were freezing to death in his fucking, uh, in a lot of the areas that he's from, and he was getting on a jet to go to fucking Mexico for a vacation. It's the same horrendous optics. It's like, even if you should, even if you were gonna leave, you shouldn't have done it this way. You should have sent your family and then you yourself should have caught a different flight by yourself after the problem was addressed. It's the same kind of horrendous. And, and the thing is, it comes from a place of not giving a shit. I don't really know how to say it any other way. You make these kind of mistakes when you're an inauthentic douchebag. You don't make mistakes like this when you care about the people you're representing. Like when you care about the people you're representing, you go, oh my God, all these people are going to freeze to death in Texas. Okay, listen, honey, wife, I love you. Kids, I love you. I'll catch up with you guys in Mexico. You guys head out. I'm going to go. I got to do some stuff here. I got to try to do everything I can to get the power back on at these people's houses. And I'll, I'll catch up to you in a day or two. And that's it. And then you just extend your vacation by a day or two. No big fucking deal. But 
That's not the way these people are wired because they don't give a shit. And that's why no one on Team DeSantis, it never occurred to them to do the right thing, which is to go and to calm the nerves of a community that is largely elderly who are flooding and to say, hey, we're here with you. We're going to be, we'll be with you through this. You're going to be fine. They didn't do it, not because they're not, they don't have political acumen. I mean, that's one reason, but it's because they don't fucking care. I mean, I can't put it any other way. They don't give a shit. That's why nobody who works for them spoke up and said, Rob, you're going to look like the biggest prick in America if you do this before addressing the, uh, the citizens of Florida about this flood. Not one person on his staff thought to do this, nor did Rob, because he doesn't have the leadership. It's horrendous. It, one of the weirdest things we're seeing right now is, is Rob DeSantis transforming into Jeb Bush right before our eyes. And there's no, there's no slowing it down now. It is only, it's increasing every single day. Because every single day, and you guys, we're not even into hurricane season yet. This is just flooding from spring rains. We're not even into the part of the year when you're really going to get scrutinized. And God help us if we have major hurricanes hit Florida again. We already know he bumblefucked the last one. And the only reason he didn't get more flack for it is everybody was afraid a Democrat might beat him in the election if they talked about it. Well, guess what? DeSantis was reelected and then he immediately backstabbed the voters. And now the next hurricane and any other major disaster, you will be held accountable. People are wanting to know where you're at. This is where we're at. This is why this is campaigning in 2023. Welcome to the party, assholes. All right. Speaking of... Is anybody curious about how President Trump's doing in Georgia? Huh? Anybody? Did you see the latest polls, Rob? Team Meatball getting bodied in Georgia bigly. Yee. According to the University of Georgia, President Donnie J. Trump currently sits at 50.7% in Georgia to Team Meatball's 29.8. Ouch. Ouch. Ouchie. That's going to leave a mark. Oh, don't worry, though. I'm sure that's probably the worst poll he'll see today. Oops, never mind. In case somebody accidentally showed him the Kentucky polling. So according to the Emerson Institute, uh, let's see how he's doing in Kentucky. Maybe, maybe Team Meatball's doing better over there. Oh, shit. Nope. Trump's in 60s. Trump's in the 60s. Uh-oh. Trump's already at 62% in Kentucky. So listen, if you're keeping track, he's up double digits in Iowa, New Hampshire, Georgia, Kentucky, Michigan, Texas. So the only state that we have seen Team Meatball within 10 points was a Florida poll. That's it. So can somebody from the opposition on Rhino-ass Team Meatball explain to me in like your most basic terms, what exactly is your strategy for winning a state? I'm done asking you guys how you're going to beat Trump in the primary because you can't. I just want to know how you're going to win one state. Are you actually going to lose every state to Trump? Is President Trump going to run a 50 for 50 primary season? Is that even possible? I don't. Team Meatball, you're not going to get the nomination. It's, it's absolutely comical if you even are still selling yourselves this shit. Like, do you guys all just sit around some shitty ass little boardroom telling each other? There's still a path. Do you still have a, you're like, there's a path. Here's how we're going to do. What are you going to do? Well, we're going to, what are you going to do? What do you, you think that you're going to show up in New Hampshire 
next winter and win over all of those voters at the beginning of the primary season by telling them to try and remember what DeSantis did in Florida two and a half years ago? Remember COVID? No, not really. Let's talk about it, though. No, I don't really want to. What's your strategy? You don't have a fucking strategy that you can't out-Trump Trump, and you're an establishment candidate who's getting destroyed daily. This isn't about them making him win. Do you know what the real... Oh, my God. Do you know what the real... Do you know what's really going on right now? Do you guys want to know what the real game is right now? Let me tell you what the game is. There is a man who lives in Georgia who predicts the future. Oh my God. I think I can use the whiteboard. Should we use the whiteboard? What do you guys think? Do you guys want to use the whiteboard for Nostradilly? I might have an excuse to use the night whiteboard. Hold on. I haven't erased it from the last time I used it. You guys want to use the whiteboard? I see the 20s pressuring me. I see the 20s pressuring me. I see you. Fine. Daddy will lose the hat. Yeah, 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 going on. All right. Okay. Class is in session. This is a Nostradilly classes in session simultaneous. Bring our little microphone around over here. Okay. What is the game? What's the game that they're playing right now? Let me explain to you guys. Donnie Jr. told you the game. So take Donnie Jr.'s words and let's consider them, okay? Pre uh, President Trump's son, Don Jr., already told you how they're, this is all about money and fundraising. This is about the political apparatus, right? This is about the political apparatus, the machine, because people are like, dude, I need to get paid. If DeSantis doesn't run, I don't have an establishment candidate. If I don't have an establishment candidate, I don't have anybody to convince to run fucking commercials and different shit that my team creates, right? Okay. So if it's about that, then here's where we're at. So what is Team DeSantis actually doing? They're all looking. There's somebody smart at the top of the food chain within Team DeSantis that's already figured this out. Okay. And that person figured this one thing out. Who is Team DeSantis trying to convince that Rob can win? That's number one. Who's number two? Rob. Who's number three? There it is. <clears throat> so here's the real game. You guys ready? You have to put together enough of a campaign to convince Casey that she's going to get to wear her fairy princess dresses so that she continues to convince Rob 
that he should continue to get made fun of nonstop so that he can try and sell the idea to the donors they should keep giving him money. If you were a part of Team DeSantis, all you're looking at is how do I keep a job through next May or longer? You can't win. They already know they can't win. They, they're like, we're fucked. Why do you think, dude, we're at that stage of the game where if you were going to actually run like a legitimate presidential campaign, these people back here would already, already be leaking campaign platforms. It's, you're way behind now. This is not about DeSantis winning. And Don Jr. hit it on the head. All of the shit you're seeing right now is just, is only exclusively so that these three people think there's a chance. He doesn't have the confidence to run for president unless she keeps telling him he's a special boy. This guy has no fucking confidence. His body language is that of a fucking dweeb who is insecure. He doesn't think he can win. She is the one convincing him he must win. And the only reason he's believing her is because him, Ken Griffin, and other big money donors keep giving him money. These are the three people that Team DeSantis is trying to win. This is why they're not trying to win over your votes. This is why they're not worried about whether or not you believe they can win. They know you know that he can't win. So what they're gonna do is continue to run. They're gonna continue to run this campaign. And the campaign is all about money. It's how do we keep collecting a check from these establishment cocksuckers who desperately have to stop Trump. There is no one else that can stop Trump. No one. They can't. He has absolutely beat them on every point. I'll give you an example. They can't even beat Trump on abortion. Even last night, in the middle of the night, DeSantis signs the six-week heartbeat bill in Florida. It's a great job, right? No abortions after six weeks. Wait, that's great. It's great for Floridians. But you still can't beat Trump on the issue because President Trump gave you Roe v. Wade being overturned. It's a non-starter for a campaign in 2024. Abortion will play zero role positively in 2024 discussions. It's already done. So congratulations, you were able to do something six weeks okay that's fine but the problem is it was only made possible because donald trump put in the right supreme court justices who got roe v wade overturned so that's a non-starter most of his victories that he can chalk up are things that trump already under uh, undercut him on and furthermore let me tell you something else by 2024 president trump's putting of supreme court justices in for abortion won't really move the needle any further on moderates. But let me tell you something. DeSantis signing the six-week heartbeat bill is gonna have one hell of a time 
winning moderates in other states now. Are you following? It can be morally right, but it just shot you in the foot in a general election. That's why he didn't do the big press conference about it. This is why Alex Bershowitz was bringing this point up on Twitter. Why didn't DeSantis proudly stand in front of the room and sign the heartbeat bill? Because he knew this just cratered my support uh, nationally because I just signed something that's even more stringent than Roe v. Wade. So now what's here's the, the, the narrative is this. You won Republicans in your own state by, by following through on what you had said you would do. You governed, but you lost moderates who are afraid if you become president, you'll do the exact same thing in their state. This is where it becomes politics. You want, he was damned if he did, damned if he didn't, by the way. Talk about being boxed in. Because if he didn't sign it, he gets demonized as a pro-abortion uh, governor. If he does sign it, he looks authoritarian and that he's going to go and essentially become president and then impose this across the entire country. It was a no win. You were no win on either. And that is why DeSantis, who got what should have been uh, viewed as a definitive win for, for unborn babies, did it in the middle of the night. He did not want to celebrate it because he knew this is going to seriously damage my campaign in 2024. How do you like that? The dude didn't even have the courage to own doing the right thing. That's embarrassing. That is absolutely embarrassing. Didn't even have the balls. Just left it sitting out there like, eh. So now you can't, and this is as my friend Alex mentioned to me, you can't go right of Trump on abortion. You can't go right of Trump on abortion because he's the one who got abortion Roe v. Wade overturned, which means you can only go left of him, which is he tried to go even further right, and it's going to kill him in a general election. This is the game we're playing out here. The sad reality is, too, is that if this guy had just decided to stay and, and follow through on his oath, he could have done all of these things and won, and he could have been literally the heir apparent. They would have mar he would have easily sailed in in 2028. But these people are greedy, they're insincere, and they're stupid. That's it. What is this? Someone sent me something. This feels like it's going to be offensive. Is this a, what is this? Is this, Miguel Forney, did you make this? Are you going to hurt somebody's feelings over at Team Meatball? When I was young, I never needed anyone. And making love was just for fun. Those days are gone is Aaron Perrine. Oh, oh, that's a weak staffer. She's so weak. Aaron Perrine is so weak. She even has her comments closed on Twitter. She's the communications person for the super PAC and she doesn't allow you to reply to her. Let me repeat. Aaron Perrine 
is the communications director for the DeSantis Super PAC, and her comments are closed because she's afraid of what you might say back to her. Are you, by the way, she was a disaster with the Trump 2020 campaign. She was such a disaster that she could not handle any criticism of her work or what she was doing online, so much so that they used to have to let her actually excuse herself to a room to go cry because she couldn't handle the criticism and the critiques online. For those of you, you can't even say anything to her. I'm blocked. I've never even tweeted the bitch. I'm blocked. But she cannot handle you, the average ordinary American, replying to her and saying, this is stupid or you're wrong, or she quite literally goes into a room and fucking has a conniption. This is the people that they are working with. Haven't you guys ever wondered why Christina Peshaw isn't on the front in the face of most of what DeSantis is doing? Have you ever heard of somebody taking up the mantle of sort of a press secretary's, uh, you know, uh, face of a campaign, but never letting her face really be out there publicly? Do you guys know why? Do you guys, you want to know why? It's because she has had so much work done to that face. That face is so filled with Botox. They have collectively agreed that Christina cannot be in the public eye. Because he's talking it. Right? He's doing a good job. Uh, you guys are just being mean. And uh, just he, uh, wait, 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 where's the next question? You guys know this, right? That's not a ha-ha. That's the truth. They can't put her in front of the cameras because America would be absolutely horrified. That's the true story behind the scenes. They can't put Peshaw at the front of the campaign because her face is so full of fucking plastic that they know the average voter in Florida will recoil. They'll be like, ah, ah. So whatever you do, don't mention that to either Perrine or Peshaw that we know what their backgrounds are and their weaknesses are, just in case. Because God forbid they would. I got news for you guys. This should be making you feel really good. Do you know why you should feel good? Because two things. The cruise crew has teamed up with the shit-canned people from previous Trump iterations who weren't carrying their weight to try and stop us. A lot of these people go, oh, President Trump hasn't learned. He hasn't learned. Dude, this, this is the 2016 campaign on fucking steroids. This is the people's campaign. It is being done differently. And that's why they are, they want to stay grassroots. They want to stay super connected to the base. Hi, that's us. Why the fuck do you think I've been to Mar-a-Lago twice? Why do you think the meme team all has signed Trump hats? Because the Trump campaign's like, this is your actual base. This is the real MAGA. And this is who we want to, we want to be a part of it. We want to have fun and we want to work with these people because they're not here to try and get hired and make more money and maneuver into the White House. They're here because they love the country and they love President Trump. What a novel idea. So now they're crushing it. And this is where we're at. We're at a point now where they're, it's, dude, it's all gas, no break on this campaign right now. Very excited to be a part of it, and so should all of you guys. You guys should be thrilled. Thrilled. All right, you know what time of the show it is? Oh, it's that time of the week for you guys. Bring it in. Bring it in, Dilly. Bring it in. Now we're cruising into this weekend. Oh, dude. Okay, I got to tell you something. Before we get into the Q&A, 
the design that Trev and I are going to roll out might be the coolest shirt we've ever done. Now, I don't want to say it is yet because I got to see how it turns out when it's printed. But as of right now, we're going to roll out our pure blood shirts that you guys asked for more of them. We sold out too quick. But the next <clears throat> order, I'm going to give you a few hints. They're going to have multiple colors. And we're going to do a women's cut and a men's cut. And the design is like, it's one of the coolest we've ever had. Like legitimately, I'm like, that is a really fucking cool design. And I can't wait to show you guys. So I got to get things kind of handled. I'll probably tease the design. So that way you understand what's in production. And then I will present the design. Hopefully after we sell out of the pure blood shirts, I'm going to order these ones and then we'll get going. But it is. It's really cool. I, I promise you guys are going to be like super pumped for it. It'll be good. And we'll do one of each. It'll be, you're going to have multiple colors. There'll be two colors for men, two colors for women. And there will be a men's cut and a women's cut. And they will not be the same. So there you go. All right. Q&A Friday. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <clears throat> Let me go back in time. Oh, shit. It looks like I missed some Dilly in the Wilds. Hey, anybody I didn't grab your Dilly in the Wild yet? I'm going to go back and get them. I missed a bunch of these apparently. Whoopsie. My bad. Dilly, of all the major cities, aka shitholes, that are on the fast course to collapse on all fronts, which city do you believe is or are the first to become great again? I understand this will take generations, but still. Which shithole city has the opportunity to become great again the fastest? Do you know which one? It's the ones with money. So I'm going to say either Atlanta or Dallas has the best, of, of, as far as major metropolitan shitholes. The two with the, the, I think the best opportunity to slingshot are those two states, those two cities. And it's going to be because of industry. Prosperity drives community. And if you have industries that are being artificially held down, you can fix that fairly quickly. But Atlanta has incredible infrastructure. It's a great fucking city prior to all the violence. That's artificial. You can clean that up. And I do believe, I think Atlanta and I think that Dallas both can be great again very quickly because of industry. Houston also has an outside shot. I'm a big, I love these cities, man. I know a lot of, oh, I love Houston. I love Dallas. I love Atlanta but they have been allowed to become unsafe and it's artificial. Those are the ones that I think have the fastest rebound effect. Um, I don't feel confident about places like New York City because I think the culture is really, really bad. Philly, I think you got major problems. Baltimore, I think it's, it's historically a problem. Um, San Francisco's doomed. Uh, Oakland, all those areas are doomed. Los Angeles is doomed. And, and part of the reason is too, like, you go, oh, well, what about Los Angeles? Well, yeah, except for Los Angeles, all the money left Los Angeles and they came to Atlanta. So whatever their politics, the money came here. The money's in Atlanta now. It left directly from LA and it got itself on a fucking moving truck and it's in Atlanta. A lot of people are sleeping on this. Atlanta is going to be monstrous uh, as far as growth in the next 10 years from an, from an opportunity standpoint. And Americans just kind of, they're not paying attention. You got, you're dealing with your own bullshit. 
Like if I could go into one major metro right now and start gobbling up commercial real estate and holding it, it would be Atlanta if I could. Like if I was in the position, I'd be like, nip, 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 and I'd just sit. Nip. And I'd just wait. Become mega rich. Mega rich. Mega fucking rich. Oh, God, I'd love to manage that portfolio. Anyway, there's the answer to that question. Let's keep going. Um, good morning, Brendan. Have you had a chance to golf in Georgia? Yes. And how does it compare to Arizona? Much more difficult. Yes, I hope your stepdad's doing well. My stepdad is doing great. Thank you, honey. I appreciate you, Rosie. Um, yes, the golf in, in Georgia is much more difficult thanks to the changes in elevation. Um, I love it. I, I, it's going to force me to be a better golfer. I haven't golfed since September due to the weather, which is one of the down, I think, the, the, pit, like the shitty parts to living here. Um, but I love the courses I've played here. And uh, I, I look forward to... I'm going to start playing again. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to start playing again. Great place. Thank you for the... That was a good question. That was a, that was a lighthearted question. I appreciate that. Uh, Dilly, I think you're in my head. My squeaky pantry door says meatball every time I open it. Uh, is it haunted by the ghost of Rob DeSoro's uh, election campaign? I need to know. <laughs> did, bro, did you really send me a video of this? Hold on, I got to see this. Oh, damn it, it won't download. Damn it. All right. I'm going to play it after the show. I want to see. You're ridiculous. <laughs> That's funny. Um, let's keep going. Some of these, I think, are old emails. Why is my, my box not refreshing? Uh, what or when or what age would you say that you found God? Describe the feeling. My whole life. My whole life. I never found God. God never left me. If you guys want my, the honest opinion of my relationship with God is that God has been a part of my daily everything since I was a little tiny boy. Since I, it, my first thoughts, my first like coherent memories, I always had a foundation of faith. I've never been religious. Um, the difference is up until age probably 17, I didn't understand my relationship with God. Then at 18, I took it more seriously. And then I would say by age 28, I, I had mastered that relationship in understanding. No, nah, not 28, probably more like 30. About age 30, I finally understood how to, how to make it more tangible. But I never found God. Like, I wasn't like, dun, dun, dun. I'm like, oh my, dude, is that God? Like, I wasn't. I think some people have those moments. I never went through the dark moments that many people do. I didn't go through a phase where I was like, you know, strung out and I had to get clean. I didn't go through a phase where I was like, oh, I'm just lost. Um, my biggest turmoil has always been, or, you know, when I was younger was, was poverty, right? So I was poor and I'd pray to God and I was like, well, you know, what am I going to do, right? But, but that was it. Like that was, that was it. So, yeah. That's not really an exciting answer, is it? I thought I could give a better answer, but I guess that's kind of, that's all I got. It's the truth. Um, do you see a rug pull on the dollar or a slow decline of the dollar through this Biden disaster? From my chair, I see once the bricks are ready to trade oil in their currency, they will all dump the bonds they were holding in dollars for purchases and are no longer needed. Your thoughts? Yes. 
here's what's fucked. Here's here's the game they're playing. Let me let me, and that's from our good friend Trout. Let me present to you a counter thought. If you let's say you say we're trading oil in fucking whatever they decide, we're not doing it in dollars. That works as long as Biden's the president, okay? But if you pull that shit and Donald Trump gets back into the White House and within six months, the United States of America buries every other country on oil production, you're totally fucked. Like, if you attempt that and Donald Trump says, we're gonna outproduce all of you and we will only sell our barrels based on dollars and you can either take them or not, like, that's the ultimate Trump card, okay? Production trumps everything. And so if you if they fuck us the way that you think they might, it'll work. And if Donald Trump doesn't get back in, we're buried. But if he gets back in, we will have the ability to flood the market with the cheapest oil ever and trade it in dollars, and you will actually end up bankrupting every country that just played that game. There is a, look, nothing is clean here. There is a, there is a consequence and that's the risks they're all playing. Everyone's watching us. When I tell you that shit, it's real, man. They're all watching going, wait a minute. If Trump wins, we're going to have a real issue here. Cause the first thing he's going to do is go boof. And he's going to open up every drilling. He's going to approve everything. And he's going to make it ironclad this time. He's going to do it in a way that legally it can never be shut down again. And he has the ability to go, okay, good night, global oil. He has that ability. And it will bankrupt Russia, Iran, Saudi Arabia. All of them will be bankrupted if Donnie J flips the switch and refuses to sell it and trade it in anything and price it in anything other than dollars. And that's the risk because they're like, we could undercut this and it'll work and we'll make crazy money for fucking 16 months and then we're totally screwed. This game is not as clear cut as anyone thinks it. It's not as clear cut as anybody thinks it is. And we have far more leverage than anybody realizes. Do you understand like right now, the only reason you don't have massive food lines and welfare lines is because Donald Trump's economic policies at the end of his administration, a lot of those Biden couldn't overcome. Even as they are working day and night to bankrupt this country and drive it into the ground and essentially auction off portions of it to foreign lands. And the, the American consumer and the American industry is, is proving to be way, way, way more resilient than any of them expected. This is why they've been telling you you're going into a recession for like a year because they thought they could make it happen. And every time they look up, they're like, they won't stop shopping. They won't stop working. You, a lot of people don't realize like what they're reporting is happening isn't indicative of what's actually happening on the street. They're trying to create an, a, a result, an outcome and you aren't letting it happen because you continue to purchase items from one another. We continue to create more shirts. We continue to invest into our businesses. And this is the exact opposite behavior of what they wanted. I hope you guys realize that there's a real war going on and it's because they, they, they are trying, they thought they could bleed you faster.
and you won't let it happen. You keep shopping, you keep going out to dinner, you keep reinvesting in your businesses and in one another. And they're like, damn it, we've been running the same narrative on television since Joe got elected and, and we cannot, the inflation's through the roof, but the fucking GDP won't drop where we need it to go because these people are, are stubborn. There you go. As far as Saudi Arabia, someone says, I thought Saudi has 100 years of oil to drill. They do. So do we in one location. If you just go out to West Texas, you have 100 years worth of oil. We haven't even, that's not even talking about South Dakota. That's not even talking about Alaska. Anybody trying to convince you? Yeah, Saudi Arabia has 100 years. America, how many, how many hundreds of years do we have? This is something you guys have to understand about oil also. Saudi Arabia is like, look at all this oil. Blah. Okay. Wait till we get to West Texas, the Permian Basin. Wait till you get to South Dakota. Wait till you get to Alaska. We have more oil than all of these fucking people. It's not close. We, we, it's not even close. We have allowed these people to exist because we have, we have allowed oil to be traded on a global level. If Donald Trump ever went, if he ever really wanted to go, fine, fine, fuck it. You don't want to trade oil in dollars? We're pulling the oil from the United States of America off of the global oil system. They'd go bankrupt tomorrow. They would all go, <gasps> if he went, fuck it. We don't want to be a part of it. We're done. America will have its own oil. We will, we will fucking drill in America. We will refine in America. We will sell only in America. You would bankrupt all of these fucking people like this. If he just said, we're no, we're no longer importing, thank you. It'd be the end of them. A lot of people don't understand this game. America has allowed the rest of the world to be subsidized off of our fucking generosity. We have allowed them to grow up around us. We've done certain things where we're like, okay, fine, we'll allow it to price in a global market. Good luck. Okay, fine. Never mind then. They don't want that smoke at all. That's why they're that's why I am I'm curious to see if they're dumb enough to go through with this. If they actually pull this do the dollar out from underneath us, it's it'll be bad for a short period of time. Dirty Truth says he thinks that we have somewhere around 300 years worth of natural gas and another 200 years of oil. Yee. Do we have the refining capabilities? How, could, how fast could we get them if Donnie J is the president? How many regulations and, and bullshit red tape can we cut that allow industry to blow up? See, the risk that the, Amer the, the, the globalists have right now, a lot of these foreign late nations, one of the biggest challenges is if you incentivize Americans to say never mind and just become self-sufficient, you essentially are cutting off like you're no longer necessary. Does that make sense? Like a lot of them only exist because we've allowed them to do work that we don't want to do, right? Like we get cheap plastic from China. It was a wrong mistake. But for 50 years, it allowed our middle class to expand while theirs stayed in squalor. Well, the truth is you can essentially do the same thing with oil. It's like, oh, you're going to play the game where, where oh, we don't have the refining capabilities. Okay. How fast can we... If we hire Elon Musk and a lot of other technological fucking geniuses, because Elon knows we can't go all uh, electricity yet. He knows that. He's like, it's, uh, we're not ready. Great. So how many refining plants that are environmentally friendly can we get done ASAP or at least friendlier? You don't want to incentivize Americans to become more innovative or what you do is you make yourself obsolete. Does that make sense? It'd be like, all right, let me, let me put it in terms that like any man or woman can appreciate. 
it'd be like if your partner was like, I'm gonna withhold sex from you. And simultaneously, you just started working with a smoking hot man or woman who's like, I really, really want that. Now, your partner has made a fatal error because they're banking on the idea that you aren't capable of going elsewhere. You're like, dude, you're, you're, uh, you don't need to use this as a tactic. I've got, I sit every day in an office with somebody who, who wants this. Does that make sense? Like, it's, you don't play that. That's not leverage. That's dangerous. Because what might happen? You might accidentally force that person to go, you know what? Fine. No sex. No marriage. I'm going over here. And that's what's essentially what these countries know. If you overplay your hand with the United States of America, the United States of America says, you know what? Fine. You can go your way. I'm going to go my way. We'll just do it here at home. Hope that makes sense. The American public doesn't realize how powerful this country and how powerful you are. Uh, you don't understand it because they don't tell you. They don't want you to know. We, they don't want you to know. America is still the greatest country on planet Earth. It's not close with the most innovative and probably resilient um, citizens anywhere in the world. So just a little thought. Ooh, we got Dirty Truth sent in a dirty joke. What do you call a guy who cries when he masturbates? A tearjerker. That's sick. What do you do if your wife starts smoking? Slow down and use some lubricant. Ayo! Dirty truth with the dirty jokes. All right, guys, I'm done. My voice is starting to go. I got more phone calls I have to handle. I got more work to do. But you know what? It's the weekend, and we made it through yet another week. God bless you. God bless America, and God bless our president, Donald J. Trump. I am author Brendan Dilly, and I'll be back on Monday at 12 p.m. Eastern for another episode of The Dilly Show. Until then, let's keep taking it all back. I'll see you guys. But there is no way. This is the United States of America. We're not giving up our sovereignty to anybody. Fuck that. We came too close. Now we're going back the other direction. We're not going to get calmer as years go by. We're going to get more fired up. We're going to want more. I want more. This culture war, you fucking idiots, is not, is not something about the just oh the next re-election we want it all back we want our schools back we want our education we want our higher education back we want our banking back we want our celebrity fucking entertainment industries back we want our music back we want our sports back we're fighting for all of it i won't stop until we have every fucking aspect of americanism back and actually representing america we're raising an entire generation of patriots right behind us who have the exact same attitude and thoughts and approach. We're raising children. You're aborting them, we're raising them. And we're raising them to vote. We're raising them to recognize bullshit. We're training them to not trust the, the uh, government or the media. We're training them in weapons. We're training them in free speech. We're not a fucking thing the left can do about it. We're not going away. This is only the beginning. Globalism was a failed idea. That was the George Bush era Republican, rhino, sellout, scumbag, globalist approach to things. This is a new America. This is a new America that resembles the old America, except for with a lot more wisdom. And you're just gonna have to get used to it, lefties. We're not going anywhere.